0: Welcome to our evening service tonight. We want to begin with hymn number 177. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Let's stand as we lift our hearts and our voices to the Lord tonight. Amen. Now uh, Let's come to the Lord now in prayer tonight, and uh, still our hearts before Him, knowing that we have, as we pray, one who is also praying for us. Father, we bow tonight once more in the name of our Lord and Savior, and we're thankful for the privilege of coming to the evening service. Lord, we are happy to be in Your presence, and as we have come to sing and to begin this time with prayer and praise. Lord, receive from us that which has been put in our hearts, for we have received the love that we so much did not deserve and the grace that has been poured out to us, Lord, tonight. We ask for the help of the Holy Spirit in our time of worship and that we'll be directed in our thinking, Directed in understanding of the Scripture and the application, Lord, to our hearts. Help us to take in all that we have received so freely from our Lord and Savior. Father, draw near to everyone here in the place tonight in the house of prayer. and Bless each one of us. Remember those joining our service online. Remember, Father, the shut-ins from our own congregation and those that have recently come through surgeries and are presently still having problems with their health. Lord, touch their bodies, we pray, and bless them abundantly. Thankful that Isabel and Ted were in the service this morning, and we are thankful for answering prayer and for restoring her to a measure of health and strength. Lord, continue to watch over and bless her. We're thankful for our sister Anna and for Your hand upon her. And we pray You would continue to watch over her. We commit serene again into Your hand and pray, Lord, for Your touch upon her body. And We think of Ron, and Lord, we pray for Your ministry and blessing on, on him and the elderly in the congregation and those that are not able to be out. Lord, pour out Your Spirit abundantly upon our entire congregation. Watch over our flock. Hear our prayers. Lord, we think of every family of unsaved loved ones and long prayed for, bring them into faith, we pray, Lord, and save their souls. And for those that have wandered off, perhaps cold in heart, have drifted away even to the point of denying their faith. O God, we pray that you would speak to their heart and draw them back to yourself, bring to their memory things that they learned from Sunday school, things they learned, O God, from the Bible teaching and preaching from the ministry here, and arrest their hearts and bring them to Christ. Our Father, help us, we ask today, in this time and generation that we're living, to know what we are to do and how we are to behave and act and walk. May the fear of Christ be in us and working through us And Lord, we pray, we'll have the joy of sharing our faith and leading souls to Christ. Make use of us, we pray, Father, for the extension of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Father, remember all of our sister churches. Remember the work in Fredericton tonight. We pray for Brother Diderno that your spirit would be poured out upon him, bless his wife and family, and as they really begin again in the pioneer sense, the work there. There would be evidence, signs following the ministry of the Word and saving of souls and the encouragement of the people of God. Lord, we're thankful for our brother Neil Samson, for the faithfulness that our brother has shown over all these years in the teaching of the Scripture and helping the congregation. And now, Lord, as they start in a new chapter, really, and begin the journey that you would pour out your spirit upon a congregation and minister and families, and there would be a great increase in in gathering. We pray for all of our local congregations. We pray for Port Hope and for Barrie. Bless our brother Cranston and Frank and Tony DiDerno in Barrie, and we think of the work also in Calgary without a pastor We ask for your blessing upon them. Thankful for our sister Brittany in the service this morning. And we pray, Lord, you would encourage her heart and bless her as she is a member of the church in Calgary. And, Father, we think of Andy Foster in Penticton and our brother Andrew Fitton in Cloverdale and Andrew Simpson up in Prince George. Watch over these brethren. Bless all of these churches. And may there be increase and growth and stability. And so father we think of the upcoming presbytery and times of prayer in Winston Salem this incoming week. Father meet with us we ask. Go in front of us in all the details of our gatherings, our devotional times, our times of prayer, the presbytery meetings. We give every detail lord into your hand. And we pray there would be a pouring out of the holy spirit in a measure of revival blessing and you would watch over all of our churches and all of our missionaries and father there would be a great a great blessing poured out in growth in salvation in the establishment of young works and the helping in the areas where they don't have full-time pastors lord you would hear and answer our prayer bless us now tonight in our service and be with us in the communion time after, Lord, that we would all be very conscious of the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. Hear our prayers now and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number 176, uh, a good high priest is come with joy. Actually, the other one, that was the wrong one, is with joy we meditate thy grace. Isaac Watts uh, composed the words of this hymn, and He's thinking about what it means to come to the Lord in prayer, to meditate upon the Lord and to think of all the graces of God. And so he says, with joy, we meditate upon the grace of our high priest above. His heart is filled with tenderness. His very name is love. We'll stand as we sing. Isaac Watts, he was able to capture so many biblical themes in the thousands of hymns that he wrote. And we can be thankful for that great heritage of gospel hymns that we have from men and women of God who have been very faithful in the writing that the Lord has given to them. We're going to turn now to the scriptures. In first John chapter two, we've been hovering around. John's epistle, the last number of weeks, and it's appropriate. And the message I want to bring you uh, tonight, although we will be reading during the time of the service in the book of Hebrews. First John chapter 2, the first seventeen verses. John endearingly writes about his little children as he is sending his letter. By the inspiration of God, well, he is not talking necessarily to little children, but it's an endearing way of looking at that, although in some respects there was the wide range of people because he does address to children, to young men, and to the fathers or the older men in the congregation. And so it's a wider range that he is drawing attention to. My little children... These things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. And again a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you, For his name's sake, I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We know the Lord will bless His Word to our hearts tonight as we have read. and pray it will be an encouragement to each one of us. Welcome to our evening service. We're glad that you are here we have been encouraged in our morning services we've had a good number of visitors in it's always a blessing to see each one of you in the evening service and we're happy that you are here and if you're visiting with us either in person or online we want you to know you're very very welcome you know i repeat these words almost every lord's day the words of welcome the words of thanksgiving that you're here and yet they are not meaningless by any means at all. We genuinely are thankful that you're here and in fellowship with the people of God, and it's a joy to have you with us. Please remember those in our congregation who are sick and not able to be regularly in the house of God, yet it's good to see our sister Serene here again tonight, who's here this morning, and we hold up our sister who has many health concerns and problems, and we just want you to know you're prayed for regularly and not forgotten. And then others, it was great to see uh, Isabel, Isabel and Ted in the service today, and we want to remember them very earnestly before the Lord as well. Please remember the important announcements. Well, before I get to those, I want just to remind you about remembering in prayer Jamie Abarka. The Abarcas uh, used to be here in our fellowship and then they um, went, moved on to a Spanish-speaking church and they still are caretaking for us here in the church. And Jamie came down with a stroke, oh, it's been over a month ago now, and uh, he suffered a lot from that at this point in time and is not doing that well. And it's a very difficult problem with the bleeding in his brain very deep down, and they can't do anything, no surgery and nothing to help. And so please remember our brother before the Lord, that God would help him and reverse the impact and the effect of this stroke upon the paralysis that he has and the, the speech difficulty, and remember his family as well. I also had the joy of speaking with Steve and Carol Kelly this past week. Uh, Steve mainly mentioned that on Wednesday evening. We want to remember our brother and sister that live out in British Columbia now and had to move out there because of their health and being closer now to their daughter who is able to take care of them. At the col- close of our service tonight, we will be meeting around the Lord's table. As you can see, it has been set for us. And if you are a believer in Christ, if you're born again of His Spirit, you are welcome to have fellowship with us around the table at the end of the service it was a joy to know that our cedar brook ministry that has been put on hold for the last number of years because of COVID, restarted again this morning and let me ask you to remember that ministry in prayer it is a very vital one to bring the word of god to those who are shut in in the seniors home And so remember Brother Alec Newell as he oversees that work and uh, organizes those who will be going to speak and to share their testimony and uh, bring the Word of God. So please remember the work in Cedarbrook. Wednesday evening, our Brother Alec will also be taking the prayer meeting at 7.30. And uh, we will be away, Brother uh, George Robinson and myself, be traveling down to North Carolina, to Winston-Salem, And we'll appreciate your prayers. Brother James Fraser is down visiting his family in South Carolina. And he'll be either traveling up, I think it is, or joining us via Zoom. And other ministers who can't get, they'll be also joining in the Zoom connection for all our prayer times and also the business meetings. So that's going to be a good time. We're excited about that and asking for uh, your prayers. Remember that next Lord's Day is Thanksgiving and we're asking for everyone in the congregation to bring uh, some food, uh, supplies that we might uh, collect some things to go to local shelters or needy families. And so if you would bring those either Wednesday evening and next Lord's Day, there will be some baskets in the foyer to collect those. And then they'll be assembled a couple of weeks after that and uh, distributed remember that very much in prayer. We know the boys and girls from the Sunday school. We encourage them to be participating in that and to bring their food next Lord's Day. A couple of advanced things we've been praying about and thinking about Port Hope services at the end of this month, their 30th anniversary, and also be marking the retirement of Brother Cranston from the ministry. And there will be a special anniversary dinner on Saturday October the 28th and that will be open to everyone, everyone is invited and we hope it will be a good representation to acknowledge the ministry of our brother Cranston I believe the price is around $25 uh, per head for that dinner but I think you'll enjoy that and certainly the time of fellowship it's well worth the investment and uh, so we'll be having a list at the back so you can put your name on that and sign up uh, for that particular dinner. And then the American Council of Christian Churches meeting in Kittery in Maine, October the 24th to the 26th. We'll appreciate your prayers for that, for the responsibilities we have to speak there a couple of times. We appreciate the opportunity of fellowship with our brethren who are part of that organization. Not, it's not a denominational thing. It's an inter uh, church fellowship, and we want to stand with those we stand for the word of the Lord. We're going to sing again to the Lord's praise, number 519. 519. Let's stand as we sing. I said said 519, which is true, and the words are up there, and the tune threw me off completely because it is the tune of take time to be holy. So this is on me. This is my fault. This one, Uh, that's the correct tune, and you'll see the words. So we'll we'll start that again, and I'll get myself off on the right course here, and we'll lift up our hearts. This hymn, In the Hour of Trial, Jesus Plead for Me, It's thinking about the intercession of the Lord. And so let's think, we'll restart that one again. Thank you. Let me ask you to turn now, please, tonight to the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. <clears throat> We're going to pick up our reading at verse 22 of this portion. The context of chapter 7 of Hebrews is that the apostle is arguing for. The priesthood of Christ as it was after the priesthood of Melchizedek. And he's making the comparison that from the law and the establishment of the Old Testament priests, they were from the tribe of Levi. And they were born into that ministry. God instituted the tribe of Levi to be the priestly tribe. And so God did not take the firstborn of every one of the children of Israel to serve Him, but He said, no, I will devote one tribe, and they will be the ones to serve Me. And so they did not have to be sworn into that or necessarily ordained to that ministry because they were born into it through the family of Levi. But as He cites the Lord Jesus Christ, who was from the tribe of Judah, And the tribe of Judah, and for that matter, no other tribe, had any place at the altar. And what he meant by that is that there was no right of service at the altar in the service of God. And so in the purpose of the Lord in bringing Messiah from the tribe of Judah, it was distinct and different from Levi. Now you might wonder, well, why did the Lord do that? Well, he did that because there was going to be such a radical distinction of the person of Christ and of the work that he was going to offer, being not just the priest, but to be the prophet as well as the king. He was going to represent God to the people and the people to the Lord, and he was not going to be one that would bring an offering, but he was the one who was the offering. And yet he also presented. He did the work of the priest. He did the work of the prophet. And he is crowned also the king. And as the Lord was from the tribe of Judah, he received a priesthood that was after the priesthood of Melchizedek. And he received that by an oath. And it was God who swore that he would give him that priesthood forever. And that's what the apostle is arguing and showing here in chapter 7. And so we come down to verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament or a better covenant, and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's, For this he did once, when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priest, which have infirmity. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the Son, who is consecrated for evermore. The Lord bless his word to us. Let's bow, please and for prayer. Father, tonight as we have this Word open to us now, I pray that our hearts would be open, that we would receive the Word, that it would be mixed with faith, and that we would be taught, taught by the Spirit of God, That we would be changed, Lord. And when we pray for change, we are praying that we will be less like our sinful self and more like our perfect Redeemer. Lord, do that gracious, sanctifying work in all our hearts. And Lord, do it, we pray, completely, perfectly. Help us to live unto Christ every single day. So help us tonight to rejoice and to joy in so great salvation that we have. Help me, Lord, I pray, to speak the Word of God faithfully and clearly. Let no one misunderstand. Work in the hearts of those who are unsaved and bring them to salvation. Lord, hear our prayer tonight, we ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Verse number 25. We're thinking about tonight. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he that is Christ ever liveth to make intercession for us, for them. I want you to think tonight with me on the subject of our praying Savior, our praying Savior. We have been dwelling the last couple of weeks on the subject of the Lord's second coming, and when we thought about the ascension of Christ last Lord's Day, we thought about what that was as the two men stood by and said to the disciples as they were looking up to heaven and seeing Christ ascend up in His bodily form, and they said, well, why are you standing here looking? The Son of Man who has gone up to heaven, you will see Him come back to heaven in like manner. We were thinking about what it meant in the ascension and how that the Lord went up to glory to be at the right hand of His Father and He has promised that He was going to come back again. And so the second coming of Christ was directly connected with the first leaving of the Lord or His ascension up, and we are thinking about what it means to dwell on the Lord's second coming because it means a better day. It means an eternal day. when We will be with the Lord forever, and we will be released from the shackles of sin that trouble us, in our human walk and existence. We will be at that day completely conformed to our Lord Jesus. We're on that path. We're in the process. God is working in us, but there is coming a day when we will be like Him, when we see Him as He is. In the meantime, we must continue to live for our Lord we must continue to witness for Him to small and to great, and this we have not been left to do by ourselves. But the Savior promised that when He ascended, He would send the Comforter to come by our side, and the purpose of the Holy Spirit would be to teach us to comfort our hearts to instruct us, and yes, to correct us from our wandering. And most of all, the Spirit's work will be to take the Word of God and reveal to us the Lord Jesus in a more perfect way. In many respects, the Holy Spirit as he worked through Aquila and Priscilla and as they found Apollos, a man who was mighty in the Scripture and yet he was preaching about from the Old Testament, but they took him aside and they showed him the things of God more perfectly. They were being used by the Holy Spirit and so in that sense, the Holy Spirit will take the Scriptures and show us the way of Christ more perfectly. We need that. We can be thankful for that, revealing all the Lord Jesus has done in the elements, the aspects of it, and we will look at the Old Testament types and shadows. We will see them more perfectly, completely fulfilled in the New Testament, and the Lord shows us. You know, the wonder of our Redeemer and the wonder of the Old Testament that showed Him in prophecy, the more we study Him there, we will learn aspects of His being, His person, His work. And we need to study that through and to pray the Lord will show us. Yet where the Lord Jesus is today and what He is doing, and does it really have an impact upon our life? We are told that Christ is seated at the right hand of, of God. The Lord Jesus replied to the high priest in Matthew 26 and 64. He said, "'Hereafter ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven.'" Christ was saying, you will see the Lord Jesus Himself at the right hand of God and there is coming a time when He will be brought back to this world again. He was speaking about the prophetical return and also of His session at the right hand of His Father. And when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said that by the mighty power of God, Christ was raised from the dead and set at His own right hand in heavenly places, Ephesians 1.20. And in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11, And every high priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, what did he do? He sat down on the right hand of God. And so in these places that we have been told, Christ's work that he is doing now is in heaven. It is at the right hand of his Father. And we know from Scripture and earthly use that this term, right hand, it speaks about a place of honor, a place of majesty, a place of exaltation. And it is in this sense that we are to understand both the place and the position that our Lord Jesus Christ presently occupies. It is one of preeminent honor. And as we read this morning in Colossians 1, that Christ Jesus may in all things have the preeminence, and so He has been exalted now today and tonight is where He is far above all principality, far above all power, might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. Yet when the Scriptures speak of the Lord sitting, it does not mean that He is at rest or a time of inactivity. Because the life of Christ is one of constant activity. And what is He doing? We touched on this last Lord's Day. What's the Lord doing as He is at the right hand of the Father? He is constantly attending to His church, His people. He is governing. He is protecting He is maintaining His church as He is ruling the universe, for He is the great head of His people and His church. In the book of Revelation, when John was dealing with the seven churches of Asia, the very commencement of that revelation was that Christ was walking amidst the seven candlesticks. And we don't have to wonder who the seven, what the seven candlesticks were, for we're told in Revelation chapter two, they were the seven churches of Asia. And that tells us that the Lord Jesus was very much involved and interested in what they were doing, how they were living, how they were preaching, faithful or not faithful, or what levels of faithfulness they were in. But the point is that he was concerned. And He was involved. Is the Lord Jesus concerned and involved in this church tonight? Upon the very authority and basis of Scripture, most definitely He is. And friends, that's both encouraging for us, but it's also a case of cross-examination for our own hearts, isn't it? Because if the Lord was looking at the church of Ephesus... And if the Lord was examining Smyrna and Pergamum and Thyatira and Laodicea, if He was watching what the saints were doing in that church, if He was seeing what the combined ministry of that church was, is He not doing that today? Of course He is. That's the ongoing intercessory and governing and overseeing work that Christ is doing. And what does He see? when He looks down upon us. What does He see, friend, brother, sister, what does He see when He looks into your life, into my life? Is He seeing a church that is on fire for Him? Does He look at a body of believers that are concerned about holy things? Does He see us that we are taking His Word with great solemnity, are we serious about the things that God is serious about? Never mind the flippancy about church. Never mind going through the motions of church, just coming because it's a thing to do. Let that be far from us. I do not want that as God's servant. I do not want that for our congregation. And I trust, dear brother and sister, you do not want that for your own life. And when the tendencies of that creep in and they do let's be honest it affects us all we get cold in heart sometimes we get a bit distant from the lord let us give ourselves a spiritual shaking in that sense and be brought back to the solemn reality of what god has called his people to christ is governing he is watching he is overseeing. And I want us to think tonight about that overseeing intercessory work of our Lord Jesus. He is praying for you tonight. He is praying for me. The first thought is this the now work of Christ's intercession. The now, the present work of Christ's intercession. We are told in Hebrews seven twenty five that the Lord Jesus is ever living to make intercession for us. This term, "ever liveth" or "ever lives," it means much more than the fact that He is living forever. We know the Lord is living forever. We know that He is eternal. When He rose from the dead, the first begotten from the dead, never to die again. So Christ is alive forever. We know that. He lives in the power of an endless life. He is God and He rose from the dead to die no more. Romans chapter 6 and verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. He is the eternal Son of God. He conquered death, and because he is alive today, we have the great hope of being alive also with him. But the wonder, the amazement, the fascination of these words that Christ ever lives is the intensified attention of His present ministry. This is talking about what the Lord Jesus is now doing. It literally is this. He is at all times living to make intercession. Now think about that. What is consuming our Lord Jesus as we speak? What is He engaging Himself in? What is He doing? The Lord Jesus is right now living to pray for you. I would love to be known as a Christian who is living for the purpose of praying. We are exhorted in the Scriptures to be about the business of prayer, aren't we? The Lord Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. How could He say that? He could say that because He knew that that was the thing that is going to consume Him when He went to the Father's right hand. He is alive and living to continually to be about the business of prayer. Consider, brother and sister, the wonder of this. The amazement of it tonight. The amazement of His continual ministry of intercession. The larger Catechism, question 44, it says this, Christ executes the office of a priest in His once offering Himself a sacrifice without spot to God to be a reconciliation for the sins of His people and, wait a minute, and, do you mean there's something more than what Christ did on the cross? Is there something more that we can think about the work that Jesus did? Yes, there is. And in making continual intercession for us because He ever lives, To pray for you. He ever is living to pray for us. Our Lord intercedes without intermission or without rest. He never wearies, He never tires, He never gets sleepy in His prayers like you and I get sleepy in our praying but He is always raising our needs before the throne of His heavenly Father. It may seem a little bit strange to us to think about why Christ would have to do this. Does not our Father know our needs? Is our heavenly Father not interested in what our needs are? Oh, yes, my friends, in the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, God knows all of our needs. But in the great process that God has put in place of receiving the sacrifice of His Son and the application of that sacrifice to our life, Christ is presenting the merit of His sacrifice before His Father continually. Louis Burkhoff, the theologian, wrote, Christ is continually presenting His completed sacrifice to the Father as the sufficient basis for the bestowal of pardoning grace of God. He is constantly applying His sacrificial work and making it effective in the justification and sanctification of sinners. What a mouthful that is. And it boils down to this. That what our Lord Jesus did in possessing our salvation on Calvary and all the merit and the value of His perfect sacrifice, He is now taking that And it is being continually presented to the Father. And if we can try to comprehend and understand what that means, it is the Savior Himself who is doing that ministry. And while we are upon earth, and while we are going through all the varying scenes of life, and all of the problems and trials and difficulties that we are, and in the development of our life to be made like our Savior, the Lord Jesus is presenting all of His own work constantly before His Father in heaven. This is not some kind of perfunctory operation. This is not some kind of a vain exercise, friend, because nothing that our Lord Jesus does and nothing that the Father in heaven requires of Him to do is empty or vain or for no use. This is something of greatest value because if it not, God would not require it. Christ would not do it. He would not waste His time. He would not do something just out of a matter of form. This is something that is absolutely vital to our continuance and success as the people of God. It is the merit and the value of His perfect righteousness that is being presented on our account. And we are receiving, dear friends, the benefit of this every single moment of our lives. I would not like to think for a moment where I would be if the Lord Jesus stopped doing what He has promised He would never fail and stop doing. It is the wonder, my dear friends, we have of His continual ministry of intercession. But it's the wonder of His faithfulness to His God, to His Father, but His faithfulness to us. We hear that Scripture, Faithful is He that has called you, who will also do it, or also finish it, also complete it, in the Lord's active ministry for us. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Great is Thy faithfulness. I wonder what Jeremiah knew of the faithfulness of God as he made that statement? It's of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Did Jeremiah know something of his own heart? Did he realize that if God had not been merciful to him, he would have been consumed immediately? Yes, he knew that. Did Jeremiah know justifying grace from the Lord? Most definitely knew it, as David did as well. The Old Testament saints, they were saved by the Lord's grace... They were brought into an experience of the Lord in their life. And Jeremiah knew as he looked forward to what Messiah was going to do in purchasing his full and complete salvation. He knew the mercies of God to him. He knew the faithfulness of the Lord in his life. And friends, tonight, be assured of this. The faithfulness of your Savior means he will never forget you. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. He will never forget to present your cause through the merit of his own sacrifice to his heavenly Father. Now can we begin to understand the wonder of the words that Christ spoke to Peter, I have prayed for thee in the hour of his temptation, in the hour of his fear, in the hour of his failure. Yet Jesus said, Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And Christ is continuing in his prayer for us that our faith will not fail. Have you believed in Christ as yours? Have you asked Him to come into your heart and life? Have you been born again? If you can say, yes, you know that, then it's the Spirit of God that bears witness with your spirit, and the Lord Jesus is constantly presenting your name and His merit to His Father in heaven. Robert Murray McShane observed, if I could hear... Christ praying for me in the next room. I would not fear a million enemies. And this is exactly what the Lord is doing. We're amazed at his intercession for us, the constant nature of it, of his mercy, his faithfulness, of his grace to us, of his love. For us, the love of Christ for us was so wonderfully and completely demonstrated by His willingness to become our kinsman redeemer and to take our place of punishment and take all our sin upon Him and to die in our place. And tonight, friends, we are graven upon His hands And as he spreads those hands, nail pierced, before his Father, our names appear there. Do we have any good reason, therefore, to doubt the Lord? Do we have any justifiable reason to worry about what our tomorrow will bring, where we will go, what we will do? The Lord's hand is upon us, friends and our Savior is praying for us. And so, when we consider the hand of Christ on us, and then some untoward thing happens, some bad thing as we would term it, are we to think, throw up our hands and say, God is not caring about me? The Lord Jesus is not interceding for me? No, believer, we are never to think such a thing, because in every twist and turn of life, in everything that we might call an unpleasant reality. It is by the sovereign purpose of God and it's by the loving intercession of Christ on our behalf for all these things are working for our good and for His glory. There is no reason that we have to worry or to fear or to be cast aside or cast down because Jesus is constantly the now work of the Lord Jesus. Notice, please, secondly, the nature of the Savior's work. Well, of course, the nature of it is to make intercession. It may be natural to think that the Lord's priority and glory will be as the King, because He rules and protects His church, and by the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit's work, He governs it. He appoints officers. The Lord Jesus has all the forces of heaven under His command. The angels are His messengers. They are ready to convey His blessings and to guard against present danger. The Savior exercises authority over all the forces of nature, over all the powers that are hostile to the kingdom of God, and He will continue to reign in that capacity until He has subjected the last enemy, and the last enemy is death. Now, when the Lord uttered those words on the cross, He said, it is finished. He did not mean that His work was over, but that that specific work of atonement in offering Himself was completed once and for all, and that there was no need of any more sacrifice for sin. The primary work of the Savior continues. He continues to do, now is interceding for His people to mediate, to plead for us before His heavenly Father. But I want you to notice that this is a very targeted work, He is praying for us, for them who are His. When you think of the Son of God praying or interceding, what's He doing? Well, He is presenting all that He has accomplished on our behalf. He is presenting His atoning work. He's presenting His sinless life, His perfect life. It's not so much that He is asking for petitions as He is presenting the just reason, the just cause of His people to His heavenly Father. Christ is pleading for those for whom He died. It is specific. The Lord Jesus Christ is not today praying for the world He said in John 17, with words that cannot be misunderstood, I pray not for the world, but for them whom you have given me out of the world. Christ is not interceding now for those who are not his people. Let's not forget that, friends. He said that all mine are thine to his Father, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Our Lord Jesus is presenting the need of our sanctification, the need that we will be free from the pollution of sin. John Owen wrote these words for whomsoever Christ suffered, he appears for them in heaven with His satisfaction and merit. And so He is praying for us. He is praying for His own people. Why is the Lord Jesus doing this tonight? He is doing this because He loves us with an everlasting love. Friend, if you know Him tonight, you are under His everlasting love We are always on the heart of Christ. He never rests from holding us up to His Father. We can be assured that He will never leave us nor forsake us. O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul on Thee. And believer, that is our place tonight. It's because we are loved But it's also the Lord is praying for us because we are very weak in ourselves. Our frailty is so prominent. There is weariness in our flesh. There is hard work to be done. And yet we come to the Lord in our weary and weak state. And what does He say to us? He says, come ye apart and rest a while. Weary I know of your toiling, of your work that you're doing for me. Elijah, he was overwhelmed by the heat of the journey and by the distance. And the angel said to him, the Lord, the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. You see, the Lord has compassion on the areas of our weakness because He knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. And so the Lord comes to aid us, to help us, to encourage us, to strengthen us because He knows our frailty and He is praying to that end. The Savior knows all about us because no one understands like Jesus. But He is praying for us not only in our frailty, but in the times of our foolishness when we say things or do things that are out of step with His will, and we have just made a very bad mistake. In Numbers chapter 12 and verse 11, when Aaron and Miriam spoke out of place against Moses, and they spoke out of place and the Lord was not happy about what they did. And Miriam became leprous at that time for what she had done. And Aaron stepped in when he realized that what had happened was so wrong. And Aaron said these words, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly And wherein we have sinned. And so here is Aaron, a man of God, but a man in some aspects weak in leadership. And he was drawn in along with Miriam, his sister, and they behaved foolishly. But he was so quick to respond and say he was sorry for what he had done. And he said, Lord, we have done foolishly. The Lord Jesus knows of our foolish times and our bad judgments and yet He is merciful to us. In 2 Samuel 24 and verse 10, David's heart smote him, we are told, after he had numbered the people of Israel. It was not of the Lord for him to do that. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. And now I beseech Thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of Thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. O oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Yes, our foolishness and our faults. There are too many to number. Psalm 103, verse 10, says that the Lord has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquity. And we can all say a hearty amen to that. Friends, think about this and all that the Lord Jesus has done for us. In the third place tonight, our Lord... Jesus pleads for us because our needs are very great. We come to many temptations and trials, and our Lord is there, seeing us through these times. And when we feel the weight of those temptations or trials are too great for us, He is the one who carries the burden and the load for us. And when we have stumbled and fallen, He picks us up. When we are going through the depth of the fire and trial, the Lord is there. And when we will say, Lord, I cannot bear it anymore, He is there. He holds us and carries us through. And friends, in the time of your sickness, your Lord is there. In the time of your great grief and temptation, the Lord is there. In the times when the devil comes to accuse us and the fury of Satan is against us. He is the accuser of the brethren. And we have no defenses against the accusation that he is making against us. Maybe they are true. He is as a roaring lion. And the devil would tear us and tear us apart. But no matter what Satan plans or plots against us, Christ, our great intercessor, He is pleading for us. And greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. But our Lord Jesus Christ, He pleads for us because the work that we have to do is more than we can bear. The work we are called to do as His people, it's greater. It's greater in magnitude As a Christian, as a believer, we're in the kingdom, we're here for this time, and what God is calling us to do, we cannot do of our own power. We are weak in self. And so the magnitude of the work and the difficulty of the work, this twofold sense means that I am thankful tonight that my Savior is holding me up for the greatness of the work that He has called me to do. And believer, that applies to your heart tonight as well. He pleads for us because the work requires more than we can give. Thankful tonight. Rest in that fact that it doesn't depend on you. The success of the work that God has you in does not depend on you. It doesn't depend on your ability. It depends on the fact that Christ is presenting His merit and His ability on our behalf. So can we not rest there and say, Lord, yes, you've called me. Yes, I'm responsible. But the end of it all depends upon Christ for success. And finally, because our Lord Jesus knows as He pleads on our behalf, we have certain success Christ cannot fail. And if He cannot fail to fulfill all He intends for us, then we will not fail. We are safe and secure, and we are never out of view of our Lord Jesus. And until we are taken away from this world and in His presence forevermore, when we will be ushered into glory with Him. And it's all based on on the eternal value of the Lord's precious shed blood. Charles Wesley wrote this hymn, Arise, my soul arise, and shake off thy guilty fears. When I think of that line, it comes to my mind, remember the Apostle Paul, when he was shipwrecked with the others, and they were cast upon the island and they were, Paul was gathering sticks to make a fire. They could dry themselves out. And a viper came out of the sticks and fastened on his hand. And what did the apostle do? He shook it off into the fire. He shook it off. And I think about this, the guilty fears that would come upon us. Let's shake them off because of what the Lord has done, shaking off these guilty fears because thy bleeding sacrifice appears on my behalf. Before the throne my surety stands my name is written on his hands my friends there is enough merit in the sacrifice of our lord jesus to save more than ten thousand worlds let alone this one the value is eternal and i cannot ever go to that bank and find i have no credit There's not enough reserve. There is more than enough reserve. And so as we conclude tonight, what are all the implications of what we've been thinking about? The implications are this. We have confidence in prayer. If we have one praying for us, then let us be bold in our praying to come before the Lord and to come boldly as we are invited. We may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. There is for us deliverance from fear. The fear of the unknown. The fear of what we do know. There is one who is greater than all our fears. And we have deliverance from this. And there is also for us, Christian, victory over the besetting sin. Satan knows the besetting sin. You know your own. And as he comes... And sometimes we'll wonder, I will not be able to manage or survive. But Christ interceding for us, He has prayed for us as He prayed for Peter. And our faith will not fail. And therefore, we have victory tonight over that besetting sin. Because, my dear friend, the Lord knows every detail of our life. Friend, I say to you tonight, if you're not a Christian, flee to Christ now. If you are a believer, flee to Christ always and let Him be your constant resort because as we depend on Him more and more, we will find that His intercession for us is all-powerful, unfailing, and we have this great victory tonight. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Our Father, please take the Scripture that we have been thinking about and write it on our hearts. Help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Let us not be stunted in our growth, but I pray that we will go on from strength to strength. Lord, if there are any here or online who are unsaved, work in their hearts now and bring them to Christ. Hear our prayer, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn tonight, number 180. If you're not staying for our time of communion, you're free to leave as we are singing this hymn. But if you would like to stay and yet you don't want to take the communion, you're welcome to stay and just observe how things are are done. But we encourage you, friend, that you will rejoice in the Lord and you will praise His holy name for time for all eternity. Let's stand to sing number 180.